Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Yeah, you heard that right. It's it's Farmer the Show. We're back. It's Paul. It's Chris. Um, I am once again on the road. If you have not, um, you know, I don't think we're getting too many regulatory trouble with the uh, Modelo. I see that the, the sign is, uh, is a bit too lit, so I think we're okay there. I think you're okay with your circumstance, but we're here celebrating sports and sustainability at Climate Pledge <laughs> Arena. If you don't know, so all the masters of operations and front office staff are, have ascended upon Seattle, Washington, to talk about how to save the planet using sports as its platform. Um, if you so haven't, if my, you haven't checked out players, player. if you haven't checked out players for the planet, you need to go do it. It's a, a well-run organization that should be shared with all. Yeah, that's right. Bringing professional athletes together to uh, united for for global change, doing environmental initiatives, and then getting supported by professional sports teams and leagues. And so it's kind of crazy. We're here. I'm on the road, and I have to be right back here next week uh, for All Star Game, who's in in Seattle. And for those of you out there, I've seen some uh, some polls going around, and I've been surprised at some of the guys who have cre- crept up. Um, Arcia from Atlanta is particularly one. He's, you know, talking about looking for spring training, where Vaughn Grissom was in the breakout year that he had with his first half to see Arcia take over and basically put himself in the driver's seat of uh, the All Star starters right now. Yeah. Uh, is pretty wild, and not only that, but we look at our guy. Mr. Luis Arias, and he is not even – he is just edging out. He's barely edging out uh, Albies for the second base starting spot, which is shocking to me a little bit. I mean, I think people are – you know, people are – we're all obsessed with home runs and power, and I think what Albies has done is tremendous. He was on pace for 40 home runs at one point, but yeah. still, you, you and I – and it's no secret at this point in, in the show that we're basically an all-marvel of the contact – situation here and now we're through i believe it's uh i think we're what we're almost, almost 90 we're, games through the season 90 games through the quite. season and it's we're, the highest batting average than than teddy ball game himself was at 397 right we're almost halfway through yeah he's he's in first place as of right now in the all-star voting he should win by a landslide he deserves to be there he will be he'll he's gonna be at the all-star game what he's doing is unique right talking about arcia i totally agree man he's playing shortstop for one of the best teams in the national league he's doing his deal i mean you can't you can't have one of those those teams that that is you know by far and away in the top five in the in the entire major leagues their shortstop has got to play well so I, i'm in on him I, I think he's a really good young player i think uh i think that makes a ton of sense the um the interesting thing on the all-star deal is is how how it gets voted i, I will say that the first base race in the national leagues is interesting because you got Freddie Freeman, who by the way, got his 2000th hit the other day, hollered to Freddie. Um, and you got Matt Olson who took Freddie's place in Atlanta. I think that's kind of a, a unique deal. That'll be interesting to see uh, how that race unfolds. Cause two of the best teams in the national league, the Dodgers right now are in third place for what that's worth. But Freddie standard issue given you shows up every single day to play for a really long period of time. He's arguably been the face of two franchises in Atlanta, obviously, Hard to call him the total face in, in L.A., but he's definitely there with Mookie, and there's so much star power there in L.A., but he's he's definitely one of the guys. He, unbelievable career up to this point. One of the most impressive things for me is the consistency with which he offensively produces at the major league level. It, it is it is just so impressive how how well he does year in and year out and, and, and against good pitching. He's he's a he's a he's an uber pro, happy for Freddie, 
hopefully he stays healthy and continues on a Hall of Fame project uh, trajectory relative to his career. And I think you even explained this to me at one point, how unorthodox his approach is sometimes, where he just says, I'm, if it's close, I'm swinging. So you see a lot of guys who are like habitual first pitch takers, get deep in the count just to see what comes over the plate. But Freddie will go after first pitch fastball, curveball, changeup. He's like, if it's close, I'm swinging. So be able to yeah. just like that, that kind of brings it back to like, that's just pure, pure unadulterated hand-eye coordination and pitch ability. recognition. When you don't necessarily have to come in, yeah, just raw, just raw. Like see it and hit it. And I, I think that often goes over. Look, when they look at Freddie, Freddie hit and he's like, oh, first pitch hacking at a slider. You're like, oh, OK, well, the guy just walked you three one. Like, what are you doing? But Freddie has been I think Freddie's been open about it. And I think you discussed it. He was like, you know, I think one year when you were there, he was going to you asked him, you know, what his approach was in spring training. He was like this year. I'm just going if it's close, I'm swinging. And for him to not to not focus on any particular pitch and do the damage that he does is so wildly impressive to me because if he first pitch away, it may not be exactly where he wanted, but he still is going to smoke that ball down the line. First pitch break ball, Homer, he's just, left-handed he's just, curveball. Look, he's, he's, he's one of those beast, guys, dude. He, you just, you, you can't, you can't necessarily game plan for him. You can't say, Hey, you need to, you need to, your routine needs to be like this guy because he is uniquely talented. He has an unbelievable amount of confidence in himself to, to to hit the baseball and to have good at bats, which is obviously, as you and I can both attest to, so important in this game. I mean, because there was days, dude, where he would go into the into the cage, he would take eight swings, soft toss, eight swings, I'm good, and not not take BP and go out and play in the game and, and be an all star. So like, a lot a lot goes into the the prerequisite level of ability that he has, the amount of confidence that he has. He's he's matured a ton as a player, as a as a as a person. You see him with his family and stuff, and how involved they are with that organization over there in the city in general. Obviously, he's from the West Coast. Um, you know, just one of the better players, one of the better guys in the game of baseball. So happy for him. Keep doing your deal, Freddie. Um, and I'm also happy hey. for the for the Braves fans because I hope that the Braves fans can sleep a little bit better at night. Letting go of Freddie and then basically replacing with another all, potential all-star game starter. I know that was a big deal. Like, okay, yeah, for you're sure. getting a, a, a silver slugger from, but you're taking away, you're taking away our Freddie but for Olsen to come in and do what he's done, especially this year, and also having a, a, a milestone because having coming in, celebrating, of course you want to have uh, Freddie celebrate the 2000th hit in Atlanta, which is great. But, you know, moving on sure. to the, this, this next phase and having, you know, celebrating Matt Olsen's 200th homer, also pretty special, kind of as in the next generation, the, the next wave of what they have going on in that franchise and able to solidify that where they haven't necessarily lost anything there. So yeah, Braves fans, I, I hope you guys are sleeping all right. Braves fans are fine, but they've been good for I don't know twenty five years. Okay, so like they're they're At doing least. just fine. But I'll say this: give hey, you gotta give a little credit to the Oakland A's player development system because both Matt Olson and Sean Murphy are are cogs in the Braves lineup, and they both were were big time trades from Oakland and are obviously having a tremendous amount of success. So let's not sleep on that. Even though it's going to be the Las Vegas A's next year, feasibly the um <laughs> the the, the Oakland A's deserve some credit for the brave success right now. I mean, just the success period. Cause was, was Matt Chapman, not a Oakland A's minor league product either. He was, but Chapman's in Toronto right now. Really, that's fine. But we have to speak. I mean, we're talking about the, because I mean, the focal point of what's happened this year is you look at Tampa and be able to constantly pump out 
talent and that's what it For is sure. identify grow talent within the organization that's what oakland yep. but just oakland isn't just having the success which is unfortunate but yeah definitely shout out to the player development department in oakland Hey, speaking of Tampa, I'm glad you brought that up. So I got I got something to a question for you. So we got the Wander Franco situation. I don't know how closely you followed this, but obviously one of the best young players in baseball on one of on the best team in baseball currently. Um, a little bit of a an issue here the last week or whatever. He got benched for two games. Okay, Kevin Cash, who I have a ton of respect for, I think he does an unbelievable job over there. Obviously, gets a ton of leash I think from the front office to operate as he sees fit. Well, he publicly came out and, you know, Wander Franco was was benched, so to speak. Um, tell me your thoughts on this, man, because I, for me, there, it says a lot about a couple of things. I would assume somebody in that locker room had to go to go to Cash's office to to maybe discuss something, whether it was behavior on the field, whether it was behavior off the field. Maybe there was a, some interaction with players that was was counterproductive. But Kevin Cash comes out and publicly benches Franco. Um, to and to Franco's credit, he he's handled the situation quite well. Not, you know, he he did his deal. He comes back, actually hits a home run in his first at bat. Um, I think I give Kevin Cash a lot of credit here for handling the situation relatively publicly. When in some situations that can be frowned upon, but that being said, I think this is an accountability accountability issue, and I think Tampa's the type of they've got some they've got the culture over there that is obviously a big deal. They're winning a lot of games. And I think it's him setting the tone. But, you know, tell me what you got on that. A young player still learning how to play in the big leagues at the big league level and having to go through something like this, which hopefully at the end of the day is probably going to be a speed bump and not a big deal. No, it, it, it's got to be done. And I think there's a direct correlation. If we look at the three best managers in the game um, right now, I mean, what Gabe is doing in San Francisco right now, um, also had an incident where he handled it very well, where a pitcher was coming off the mound and made yeah. a remark. And rather than blowing up, up in public, took him down into the dugout. Like, that's a super classy move, and that says a lot about Gabe. And then what Kevin's done, you know, this is in the first rodeo. He's seen it in, in Cleveland and, how to, and hand, how to handle that with the, you know, with the, with the Trevor Bauer situation and, and some of that stuff. But he understands how to navigate this. And you've seen it happen around the league with uh, with Javi Baez getting benched, and there have been a number of players that get benched, and they've all been handled relatively well. So it, you have to maintain this level of professionalism as you're coming up through that we can't get too far ahead of ourselves. And you know, and, and it was a potential issue. You know, the ball flip. It's like, all right, you know, let's 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 simmer down here. That's not the way we do things around here. So maybe it was a collection of things to where it's like, all right, we have to maintain a certain certain level of accountability here. Um, but for him to do it in that manner, I think it says a lot about what Cashy does over there. And, you know, I'm sure and I trust Cashy that it was it was justified. And the fact that everybody's handled it so well is great. It's, it hasn't been like a public outburst. There hasn't been any friction. It didn't affect Wander's uh, performance. Uh, came out, like you said, hit a homer. And I have no problem with keeping that type of things where, you know, you see it so easy where, you know, guys come up, they get a little ahead of themselves, get a little big headed. And uh, they kind of run with it, become a cancer. So like they said, it's kind of like nip it in the bud right now. Announce your presence with authority and we all move on. I, I love it because it's it's and at least with that organization and that team specifically. I, I actually love the way that they play so loose, so free. I'm sure that there's a lot that, you know, there's a lot more leeway there with those players than there are in some clubhouses. I think that has a lot to do with why they're so good. That being said, they're still uh, – there's still a, an element of, of, of going about your business the right way, which we have to respect. 
give credit to Kevin Cash. Like I said, again, I, I think that that organization has got tremendous feel, obviously got a ton of talent. The product on the field is very good. So, I, you know, just, you know, in this day and age, when everything gets talked about so much, we're probably, we're probably belaboring an issue that's really not that big of a deal. It's, it's the kind of thing that happens all the time or should, you know, it just happens to be one of the best players in baseball and on the best team. So we got to talk about it. So um, it goes under the microscope. That's right. That's right. Indeed. For worse. Um, hey, tell me what you got on Ellie Dela. Oh, you got people over there. I got I got action. Yeah, in the middle okay. of the pocket. So they will hey. be on. They'll definitely be on the air. Hey, Ellie De La Cruz, first cycle in Reds since. I mean, for a Reds player since like 1989. What do you got? 1989 or 1889? No, 1989. Um, so 100. 100 I mean, 117 was, off the bat for was, a double. I think that was the pin. I think that was the pinnacle of the energy right there. It was like if, if what if things weren't exciting enough in Cincinnati. Let's throw on a cycle and just watching that guy for me, I feel like it's, it, I feel like, like, like a kid again. I feel like the, when I had a day off and I used to watch McCutcheon run from home to first and I just like, I just wanted to see him run. So when he hit that ball in the gap and he saw him go from like second gear to six, like it yeah. raises the hair a little bit, you know, you go first pitch curveball, Homer, double 117, which probably could have been a triple. And then the freaking, you know, ass out, ass out one-handed, smokes the ball in the gap, and he just goes zero to 100 real quick. Yeah. Uh, and then, the, and then the, the broken bat, fighting off a great pitch, line drive to center. But, I mean, bro, it's, it's, hey, home it's to fun third. to watch. I mean, there's no doubt. You know, home stating to third, obvious here. Home to third was like 10.8 or something. Yeah. With, with, seven, with seven strides. Pretty impressive, man. Yeah, he, he's an avatar, bro. Hey, uh, that's, that's the dang truth. Um, yeah. he's, making he's, like, a, he's, he's like an avatar when, when the avatar comes out and he gets his body and he's going to run through the field and he's like getting his legs that's kind of what it looks like he's making a run at uh, my, my, my middle son's favorite player so that's a big deal too around the house yeah. Um, hey well yeah but you're going to have to reel that in real quick because he's going to once he starts doing the, the extracurricular getting the first base and the right yeah. And then you got the row and whole thing, like your boy, the, the highlight clip of uh, the batting stance guy. Yeah, it's a little much. So you might want to nip there. that in the bud. In case that goes down, you're going to have to be cashy and pull, pull, uh, pull a little monster off the field and be like, hey, look, let's, let's simmer down a little bit. Yeah, we're not quite there yet. We, 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 we set some rules. Um, we, we, got, yeah, we, got the, we got the bumpers on the lanes here. We're not, we're not, we're not rowing the boat at second. Not, not yet. Not at you don't, pay, you, don't pay, you don't pay bills in the house. No. Uh, hey, so the, we, we've made some some correlations to the Reds and the Orioles up to this point. The Orioles just called up a kid named Jordan Westberg, another another big time prospect in their organization, mostly an infielder, more of a versatile guy, can play all over the place. Let's talk a little bit about those teams and the the prospect with the trade deadline coming up, and some of that some of that prospect capital that both of these teams have. I know the Reds up to this point are twenty eighth in the league in ERA for starters starters era they obviously need to try to find a some starter help they got hunter green still hurt lodolo's hurt both of whom they think are going to be hurt at least until mid-august um the orioles are going to need to get some help there as well they the 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 westberg kid is the example but they have a bunch of young good players and welcome back it's part two for all of you lucky lucky listeners out there we're doing two-part series it's called amateur hour because i forgot my charger no chopped uh, and screwed it's called chopped and screwed. screwed. Yeah. We're back, so we're out. Li- we're we're plugged in. We're lit up. We're ready to go for part two. 
Yeah. And Paul, you're just transitioning into what's happening with over with the Orioles. Hey, so we're talking about Baltimore. They were obviously having a ton of success. They just called up another kid named Jordan named Jordan Westberg. Okay. He's had a bunch of success in the minor leagues, playing well. They've obviously got a bunch of young players over there too. Both of their middle guys are struggling offensively. So they're giving this kid a chance. It kind of leads me into the into the the part of the the discussion. Talking about Cincinnati too, for that matter. Two younger teams having success. Obviously the Orioles are probably a year farther down the road than, than Cincinnati, but you know, both having success, probably needing some starting pitching help, how they navigate these waters of this prospect capital that they both have, who they trade, who they don't, you know, what's the right fit, how hard do they want to push being in kind of their first race in a while. It's a, it's, it's a really difficult thing to do and, and a hard decision for some of these, these GMs to, to decide which guys they they they're okay with letting go and potentially go going and being good somewhere else, right? Yeah, um, yeah. We discussed this last week. It's like it's going to come down to, de- to decision making time pretty soon, um, and where you don't have that, where you don't have the capital, and in Cincinnati's case, you're going to have to be you're going to have to be on alert down in, in Louisville right now. You know, guys going down, coming up, and with the with the ERA that they have as a group. You know, they're, they're going to be some they're going to be getting cycled in and out. And so how those young players deal with that is going to be really difficult. Um, and in, in Baltimore's case, we're potentially two of these organizations where you have this this slew of incoming talent. It's like when things go wrong and you do have a couple pieces missing, you know, are you going to go to the well too many times? How much support do you have down there that can keep this keep these two machines going and, and right. just jump in? probably what potentially is going to be their first big league experience and keep the, you know, be a cog in the wheel here and, and keep things rolling. So, and it's that time, you know, we're going to get into July and they call that the, those are the dog days of summer for a reason. You've heard what's happening with like the hitters, you know, the, the, the advantage that pitching has played early in the season. And we're going to get into these dog days, dog days pretty soon where those bats are going to be slowing down. So it's, it, you know, it's interesting. And there's going to be a lot of things going on. You just saw what's happening with Ang- with the angels you know, having that capital going out, starting to mix some pieces up. And so, you know, sustaining what these two teams, these two young teams are doing, it's going to be a real, I don't, I personally don't want to be a GM for either one of them because this is, you have a potential, you know, lightning rod right here, lighting these cities up, bringing them back to, to two historic teams, bringing that back to, you know, first place baseball, exciting baseball with this trade trade deadline and then mixing in injuries and how you manage these pieces, yep. it's going to be going to be a yep. wild ride here. You don't want to be the guy that traded Randy or Rosarina for almost nothing. No <laughs> shot. You're not um, living that down. Hey, what we're talking about starting pitching. We got to at least, I want to touch on one more thing before we flip to the college world series. Okay. Alex Manoa makes his first, <laughs> makes his first start <laughs> down in, down in the, <laughs> the Florida state league or whatever it, with, Yikes. um, with extended spring training. Don't tell me, don't tell me I didn't tell you. It didn't go great. Two innings, 11 runs, 10 hits, like didn't go great. Tell me, tell me your feedback. How important is this or how not important is this for a guy who we have to assume psychologically is, you know, not in the best place. He came into the season. Think he was thinking he could potentially be arguably in the Cy Young race. Right. And we're, we're not quite halfway to the halfway point. He's in the minor leagues. He's obviously struggled at the big league level. And your first outing out against what we probably what he probably perceives as much lesser competition gets punched in the mouth. Tell me your thoughts. Listen, I, I I'm not going to say I told you so, but I'm going to tell you I told you so. You know, <laughs> I we've seen it a number of times back in the day. 
our first big league camps and when they have to go when the big boys have to go get extra innings they go to that backfield and buddy hey anything can happen over there those C243s are moving on the backfields but they are moving they got them stock T141s and buddy they are ready to swing those bad boys and i we bo- and we both predicted this there's two things that are going to happen a, you're going to go down and get shelled. You're going to be working on the stuff and just working on confidence, which is not the place to, to be, to go and keeping up that confidence or get your confidence back for that reason alone. And number two is the science project aspect of it. What are they doing? Are they putting them under a microscope? Are they looking at his RPMs? Are they looking how his sliders, you know, doing? Are they looking at his mechanics? Why he can't get first pitch breaking balls over? And like that, I think that's what happens. Yeah. So there's two things that either happen. Either he just got shelled, which is every the bane of every pitcher's existence. He's going down, he's facing some 17, 18-year-old kids who are all hyped up on Mountain Dew, you know, with their with their stock, with their stock Louisville sluggers ready to swing it and prove something against big league pitching. Or was he in fact going down there to actually work on something where he's like, okay, let's spot up, let's work the out, outer half. You've got to throw 60 percent fastballs. We're gonna do first pitch curveballs every inning. And they're just one of those things where you know, maybe loads of bases, maybe someone hit a dinger, you know, grand slam. We don't know the exact breakdown, but it, sure. at the end of the day, it does not look it does not look good. Like 11 Ernie's in two runs, and you know that was a 12 o'clock game. You know it's baking in Florida that day. It's warm. A little warm in these rhinos. It's warm in those rhinos. And it's just – it's not an ideal day for anybody – Except if you're an 18 year old hitter in in, in a ball right. right now who went four for four, now you're you're floating right now, yeah. for sure. Yeah. Well, um, hopefully, it is, hopefully, it is concern. It is it's a concern. I you know I I read some of the comments. It's like, did we hype this guy too early? No, you didn't hype him. He was he was an all star, and he yeah, shoved man. an all star game against the best competition in the world. No, Plain and simple. Need, he needs to get his mind right. Hopefully, for the sake of Blue Jays fans, that that happens quicker than it does later. But um. It'll be we'll, we'll we'll be keeping track, and um, that's actually leads me to believe we gotta get Kevin Barker on the on the show, bud. By the way, get it down, get it swinging, old get it down, Barky. Get it down, get it swinging. Hey, let's flip to College World Series, man. LSU wins the national championship, best of three series. Completely, you, the first game was an unbelievable game, one run game. Came down to the last out, people on base. LSU shuts the door. Florida comes back and wins the second game by twenty runs. It was like twenty four to four. And then last night, um, LSU comes back and convincingly wins um, by by a large margin of victory as well for the national championship game. Pretty big deal in college baseball, man. Obviously, life changing for the LSU teams. The, the the LSU fans are always come out in droves. It looked like it was a borderline. It was home an LSU game home game. It looked yeah. like an LSU home game. I was watching the last couple innings and I was blown. I was blown away because of the, the night before. I was on the plane and, and watched some of the game and looking at the crowd shots, and I'm just like, man. And LSU, if you, if you don't know, if you've ever never, never been to an SEC football game, those boys, they, they travel, and they travel sure. big, and they'll travel with their grills. As you could see, gators, you know, cooking gators out in the tailgate out in tastes Omaha. Like, tastes like chicken. Tastes like chicken. You know, we've Dapri Deck. They got the gator bites. They are delish. Um, but – on a, on, a, on a little bit of a deeper level, just because we've discussed this um, earlier in the year, and for, especially for like young kids, young development, it's, I think we get so discouraged when a team blow, blow, gets blown out. And you start to question, like, damn, are we really that bad? And the thing is about that, 
I think that encapsulates everything that baseball is. You can be on the top of the world. You can go toe to toe one day, the next day you just, things just don't go right. Everything is going to fall. Every pitch is being put in play. You know, it just, you, you cannot explain the game of baseball sometimes, but to respond in that manner is, I think is even more incredible to get 24 runs put up on you and then turn around and then go and then put up 18 the very next day. I think it says a lot about their character. I think it says a lot about the craziness of baseball. Um, but shout out to LSU being back on top for such a, you know, prestigious historic program. Um, and I know, you know, they were tied. And the last couple of days, it felt anticlimactic. I mean, they did their deal. They did their they the stamp of approval with, like you said, the convincing win. Uh, but, you know, after so much tremendous baseball for the tournament, I think, you know, I think we wanted to, we all felt like we wanted to end in a little bit more dramatic fashion instead of the, you know, the pitcher out there, you know, eating up garbage innings, smiling, just like, all right, we're going to flip over a curveball here, you know, flip over a, you know, fastball here. Like, let's just hurry up and get this game over. But, um, you know, there's a little bit of that void now. You, we, we've done the, the ups and the downs. We did the Texas, the Stanford game. We've had so many incredible matchups in college baseball with that college energy. And now, you know, it's, it's kind of, you know, it's like college football. You feel that little bit yeah. of void having that college spirit that we can all attach to. And if we've never been at that level, knowing that what it means to these individuals, you know, those 30, those 25 kids that are, shoot, probably more than that. I mean, you're, you're carrying how many players? 35 are probably making the trip. Maybe 30, maybe 25. On a stacked team like those two teams, there are going to be 10 guys that are going to go on to play pro, pro ball. And for the rest of the guys, like, that's it. So for the Florida yeah. guys, you've got to be crushed. And, you know, for the, for the guys that are going to go to the next level, they're flipping right back around. They're getting thrown right back into the fire. They're going to be yeah. starting at, you know, the Florida, Florida State League. And they're going to be facing Alex Manoa, you know, That's probably right. in like two weeks. That's right. So That's right. get it, get it while it's hot, really. You know, get uh, to that complex, grab that wood bat, grab that C243, go make sure your name's on the list for Manoa on the backfield right. and get start your career off right. Get it down, get it swinging. All right, man. Well, uh, hey, keep it real. Uh, we appreciate the uh, ro- road show for you at the uh, convention. Um, we appreciate the people keeping up, man. Uh, Go like it, subscribe it, do all the stuff that you do, and uh, we look forward to seeing you guys next week. And I'm I'm just gonna say this: I do like this stand up thing. I feel like free. If you ever watch yeah. Always Sunny in Philadelphia, I can get real low right here. Right. Amazon.com. Yeah. Go, go get you a desk that raises and lowers. You can stand up all you want. That's right, Climate Pledge Arena, sponsored by Amazon. Right. We'll see you all next week. Later, <laughs> bud. Later. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.